Hey everybody, welcome to the Going With Fishes podcast. This week we have uh, Brian from the Aquaponics Association. He's the uh, chairman and uh, he's going to be talking to us about um, the Aquaponics Association, all the good stuff they do, as well as uh, um, his own projects, which will be really awesome. Uh, we haven't, it's probably been, what, four or five, maybe six episodes since we've had an Aquaponics uh, speaker on. So it'll be really, really fun to have him on tonight. And we got uh, Marty just popping in. All right. Um, as always, we have... Uh, uh, Tommy, Tommy J. Hey there. Glad we to be here uh, this week. We got uh, Roger from True Aquaponics with us again this week. Hi. We got uh, Mr. Green Jeans. Howdy, folks. Sorry, I was a little slow. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Green Jeans. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off and uh, try to come on again with the phone. Maybe that's maybe that's gonna be faster. Oh no, you're hey, your audio coming in. Audio is coming in great right now, buddy. So okay, maybe I'll just leave it then. All right. We got Marty. Yep, a little bit quiet, but otherwise we're good. Hey, Marty. How's it going? Going well. Yeah, turn up your volume a little bit. Uh, Marty's got his Princess Leah ears on. Good job. And we got a uh, brain grow. What's up, brain? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing tonight? Brain. So, uh, brain. <laughs> so Brian, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and um, and what you're all about? Well, I'm here in Washington D.C. I have my own D.C. aquaponics business, Anacostia Aquaponics, which is kind of like schools and uh, aquaponics in schools and a small service provider. But that's um, it's still in its young phases. And then I am the chairman of the Aquaponics Association. Um, so I put on the Putting Down Roots Conference last November, and we had our association elections. We now have a full board of seven people, uh, plus two senior advisors. Uh, we've already had six full board calls this year. Um, a lot of our efforts now are just trying to get our administrative plumbing in order, which have we've uh, developed a lot of loose ends over the last couple of years. Um, but then we're also already starting to do some more exciting actual stuff. We just published a 30-minute video from our Putting Down Roots conference of a group of high school freshmen um, that put on a NASA-funded aquaponics uh, study and project and they presented it to the whole conference and it went really well uh, we put that on our website and nasa put it on one of their research websites uh, we just sent a letter to congress with over 200 signatures asking them to support aquaponics in the farm bill this year um, the farm bill only comes around once every five years and it's important that we get um, in it now um, we're looking to book a conference in hartford in october It'll be the first time we're in the Northeast. Uh, we're still working on the exact weekend and venue. Um, we will have a table at the WAS conference in Las Vegas in, uh, just coming up in a few days. Um, so there's a lot going on, um, and we'll see where it goes from here. Awesome. So how can people get involved if they want to help support your efforts with the Farm Bill? That sounds really interesting. Why don't you tell us more about that, what you guys are doing, and how people can support you? Great. Um, I could send you a link. We have a way to sign up for the uh, Farm Bill Coalition. Um, 
uh, well, basically, if you go to our website, aquaponicsassociation.org, and you click in the resources tab, and then the 2018 Farm Bill tab, uh, that'll take you to our Farm Bill homepage, where you'll be able to read a copy of the letter we sent to Congress. Uh, and actually, people can still, and, and also, there's a link to the Google form where you can sign up for the coalition. Um, and if you'd like, um, you could uh, send, sign up, and I could do a new version with your name on it. And then you could send that to your members of Congress, um, give them a call. You could, you know, write a, uh, post something on your social media, or, uh, you know, try to gear up this movement to get some representation in the Farm Bill. Because as of right now, the Farm Bill is set to almost completely ignore aquaponics, uh, which would be very frustrating for all of us. And Tommy, why don't you tell people how to find out who their local representative yeah. is? Uh, thank you. I was just about to chime in. I didn't know if I should be rude. No, uh, with you up. Here, here's my soapbox. Uh, everybody get out your cell phone and you type the word resist, R-E-S-I-S-T, to this uh, message number, 50409. And uh, you can also look it up. It's called Resist Bot on Google. You know, just put Resist Bot in Google. It'll take you to the website. 100% free service. Doesn't matter where you are. You just type Resist to that, and this bot machine will start asking you questions. And it will find out who your representatives are and it will afford you the opportunity to say whatever you want. So what's, you know, j just a simple paragraph coming from somebody to a representative that's not a form letter that says, I'm really interested in seeing aquaponics being supported in the farm bill this year. They'll send it to your Senate. They'll send it to your local. Uh, it's a really awesome service. So there's absolutely no reason. If you have a smartphone and we're asking you to do something and you don't do it, well, that's just sad. So that, that's how you get it done, guys and gals. Sounds good. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so Thanks. why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Anacostia Aquaponics and what you're doing? Or, you know what, uh, before you that, tell us more about the what your efforts you guys are doing for the Farm Bill. Just, um, what is it in particular you're hoping to get more funding for with aquaponics? And, and um, you know, uh, how, how do you think that's going to work out as far as... Um, in the next five years. If, if yeah. So um, it's interesting. I, I personally don't have the bandwidth to get too um, nuanced into the public policy because, you know, that it's a whole complicated issue. And uh, but so so our first step was just to try to get it on people's radar screen. So, and, and it's kind of a holdover from the organic movement. Um, we were trying to get some people to send messages to Congress when the organic uh, campaign was going on, even though it wasn't getting uh, decided by Congress, it was in the NOSB. Um, it, it was still a good opportunity for us to put things on Congress's radar screen, because the earlier they hear about something, the more likely that the next time they hear, it'll click. Um, so right now we just uh, have a very generic ask, which is to treat aquaponics growers the same way as we treat soil growers, meaning that all programs relating to crop insurance, um, crop subsidies, research, and conservation, uh, they should apply to aquaponics growers the same as they would to soil growers. 
And then going forward, uh, we are going to um, work to refine our ask to get some uh, specific things we'd like to ask for. What and we want your, your feedback as well. What are some of the specific things you guys are looking for um, in particular? Well, um, well, I, I think one thing would be our practice is ripe for research grants because we're providing such a um, public benefit. We have these very efficient systems um, that, you know, they're good for the local economy, they're good for our health, reduce food miles, there's so many great things. Um, but because we our economy works in a way that we, we're not actually capturing the true costs of everything we do, it's hard for aquaponics folks to monetize their efficiency. Um, so this is a classic role where you would say, you know, the, the government should step in with some grants. Um, but then on the other front, you know, we want, we, you know, we want to kind of be treated the same, you know, our head of lettuce and their head of lettuce, if they're on the shelf in the shopping center, you know, anyone could eat them. So why is it that we're going to give crop subsidies or crop insurance to people that grow in soil? Uh, we should do that for aquaponics. Now, one question is, can people already access these programs? And we're at a point right now where we don't even know. So one thing we might be asking for is, um, you know, better research, have the USDA do a study. Um, but going forward, we want to make it so, you know, these programs that really help commercial growers like crop subsidies and crop insurance apply to us as well. No, I think that's uh, that's really awesome. And especially having worked on both halves of the coin, both in cannabis and in vegetables, I think there's a lot of things that really need to be, you know, balanced out. I mean, especially having, I mean, I went into the Lions then a couple of weeks ago, I went to an organic cannabis conference where it was, I was the only non-soil speaker pretty much. And mm -hmm. just, just to go in there and have a warm welcome from them once I explained the science was really awesome. You know, we're not that different. We're, we're practicing the same things. We're all at the same goal. We're not enemies. And we need to stop trying to fight each other and just push towards sustainability and lack of water, you know, reducing water use regardless of how you're doing it, be it with the methods that they use or the methods that we use. Either way, we need to all more to move towards a more efficient production, even if it's not aquaponics 100% of the time. You know, sometimes we use aquaponics. I know there's a big operation down in the desert in um, uh, the Central Valley uh, in Imperial County where they're taking and doing moringa trees uh, off of raising 2 million gallon tanks of tilapia. And they're, they're taking the wastewater from that and applying it to the... Um, the moringa trees and just watering them like they would a normal organic system but they have a really good you know they have wood and mulch and everything else to retain that water as long as they can but it's kind of a hybridization of both super organic soil and what we're doing so we don't have you know we can work together to to fix everything we don't have to necessarily be one or the other and it's great to um you know it's kind of silly to hear some of the stuff that goes on occasionally with with the battle between the soil people and the non-soil people and it's like guys we're on the same team like we're all against the big chemical ag like let's just let's just focus on that and, and get stuff done because we're all on the same team this is silly and it's great to hear I'd like that we're to in for a second too as far as the uh ag insurance uh, being a hydroponic farmer over here in in, in the east <coughs> excuse me we're not they won't they won't write me a crop insurance but everybody that grows in dirt 
conventional, but then they want to, they want, they only want to pay me for my produce, the same as conventional farmers that grow in dirt, but the insurance companies that handle the insurance for crop insurance and all won't write me any insurance at all. The only thing I can do is go to an yeah, independent yeah. agent and buy a, you know, like a, a $2 million liability, you know, insurance policy. And that's all I do. So if somebody comes out to my greenhouse without in trips on something, I, I've got coverage and that's all they'll give me. Yeah. And that's yeah, something that's that the association has worked on uh, that we think that could be uh, one of the benefits we provide to growers. Uh, we've heard from a lot of people that aquaponics or hydroponic growers um, they don't know how to talk to financial institutions and their financial institutions have never heard of them. Uh, so, um, you know, how could we help everyone else work with their financial institutions? Right. Cause they don't really want to give you, a, I've even heard somebody say, we're not going to loan you any money for some dirt, you know, because I said, well, I've got land to put up for the loan. They say, well, well we don't want to buy dirt. But yeah, it's, it's a big problem. I just wanted to address that since you brought that up about the crop insurance and all. Now, it's not fair for aquaponics or hydroponics, anybody. If you're if you're legitimate, legitimate and you go through the pro process of being licensed and certified, then you should be able to get the same insurance as everybody else. That's what I was getting at, you know, uh, well, yeah. like everybody else. And the irony is that we're, we're giving benefits to a lot of these producers that are actually environment a lot. So it's kind of a perverse situation. We're helping the people that are harming the environment and sending food thousands of miles. And we're not giving those same benefits to the people, the aquaponics growers that are, you know, trying to do what we can to improve the situation. And as far as grants go, every time I see their grants come out, when you start reading it, you have to be accredited by an, a university or something. Or you yeah. have to be a state, a state, um, like almost like it's weird. Farmers can't get a grant. You know, I mean, the kind of grant when I've been looking at grants, we we can't get grants. It's it, you have to be something to do with the state or with a university or something. And of course, that is possible. Like, you know, I do um, do um, interact with the universities and all yeah. and the USDA, but but it hasn't led me to be able to find any grants. And if I call any of these experts that we deal with in the university system or the USDA, they don't have a clue about how I'd get a grant, you know? So it's kind of interest, you know, I, I thought when I was across the room, when you said that, so I couldn't jump in immediately, but that, that bothers us a lot. That bothers me a lot, whether you're aquaponics or hydroponics or whatever you are, the fact that you're, we're not getting treated the same as, conventional dirt farmers yet they don't want to give us the title like our produce is better uh, aquaponics produce is better um but yeah. and, and like you know steve and all them always are fighting about uh, arguing that they there should be their own category well i think it should be the same way in hydroponics it should be its own category because and some hydroponic growers are go getting organic certified certification now Depending on where you're at, you know, your head's at about organic certification. That is what it is. Um, but the fact is, it's it's happening. And, um, and and we're not getting any advantage over it. We're, I mean, I go to Whole Foods. I'm a producer for Whole Foods. You know, I grow uh, habanero peppers, you know, and, and poblano peppers. And, and 
they won't give me any more than a guy that's got 10,000 acres of grows in dirt, you know, for, well, I mean, you kind of make your own price, but they've got where that, what they want to pay and there's a market value and they, they yeah. just okay. always come back to your conventional. We put you in the conventional category because there is no hydroponic category. Like just like there's no aquaponic category yet. Both categories is a, a higher quality product. And not necessarily doing anything wrong to the environment, depending on how you grow hydroponically, I guess. There's an argument. Why don't you um, tell us a little bit about uh, Anacostia Aquaponics, uh, your company? Um, I, I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, so that's a small business I started maybe about two years ago here in D.C. Um, we... Um, we have some systems in schools and we do class programming and we are a service provider. So if someone wants an aquaponic system in their house or their backyard, uh, we will consult with them. We'll build it for them. We'll help them operate it. And we're also working on a product line on indoor and or backyard aquaponic systems. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, DC is pretty, um, what, it's not exactly a aquaponic hotbed. Uh, the University of the District of Columbia actually has a couple pretty big systems, and um, my, my group worked with them for about six months when they were starting their operation and getting their fish in there. Uh, but it's, it's not like other places where it's really starting to become uh, more mainstream. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the uh, Aquaponics Association? Well, we're plodding along, like I said, Hartford in October. Um, you know, we were in Portland last November, and we had maybe uh, somewhere, maybe like between 200 and 230 uh, full-time guests or, or part-time guests. Um, we think <clears throat> Hartford will be a good bit bigger because the Portland conference went really well and because uh, Hartford is in such a population center and we've never been anywhere near there. All these associations conferences have been uh, all along the south or uh, Denver. Um, so being in the northeast is, is exciting. Uh, we don't know exactly. We're trying to figure out how many people we're going to shoot. Um, being in such a different location of the country and seeing what type of people will come out. And uh, I don't know if you guys know Spencer Curry from Trifecta Ecosystems. Um, his operation is out there, and we'll be able to tour some of his operations. And then uh, Rob Torsolini from Bigelow Brook Farms is also in the area. Uh, we'll be able to tour some of his operations. Um, so that'll be good. I have a question for you. So, you know, you're obviously yeah. leading the charge in the aquaponics world. And sometimes we have some folks, you know, on here that are kind of maybe new to aquaponics or, you know, checking it out. As somebody who's a leader in the field, what would you say are the top three reasons why you would counsel someone to even consider aquaponics? So the one thing... Um, I would say is that 
water use. Um, in turn, I'm sure you all know our statistics about water efficiency. Um, I mean, it's an interesting question because I, I wouldn't necessarily always counsel someone to do that because um, I don't know what everyone's finances are, and um, I think most of us probably know uh, it's not a surefire economic success just yet. Um, but, but I would help with you. You want to be able to teach them to grow, in other words, whatever, however it is, that whatever their budget is, you'll counsel them to grow whatever, however they can grow and be health, have healthy food. They know where it comes from. Yeah. Well, well, yes. So, I mean, I mean, my major benefits are, are the fact that you could you could do it anywhere. You could do it on a rooftop. You could do it in a uh, in a desert. You could do it in a city. Um, so you, you're drastically cutting down food miles. Uh, the water efficiency. Uh, um, the fact that it's closed loop, um, the fact that you could, you know, eat your fish. Um, you know, for me, there, there's also an. Ex I'm sorry, I know this isn't a neat, uh, but but there's also kind of an excitement aspect to it. The fact that we're in an industry that's still so new and evolving by the year. So if you're someone that likes to be, it's uh, it's it's good for that reason as well. Right. See, that's another thing too. When you go and look at the national prices for um, produce and such like that, yeah, that, exactly what you said is so new. And and again, I know it's a hydroponics. Uh, I mean, aquaponics discussion. But the same thing with the hydroponics. If you go look at it, there's not even a category, you know, for what the produce, you know, what a pepper or, you know, whether it be aquaponics or any anything alternate uh, other than the organic or the or the conventional gardening you know so that, I yeah. think that's that's again something to address and I've actually had a, a the, the, there was a gentleman from the uh, USDA that came to our conference and I met with him here in DC and that was one thing that I brought up to him was the fact that aquaponics isn't even its own growing method on the USDA website it's a sub uh, heading of aquaculture and that a lot of people feel you know we kind of need to get some respect. He was open to that, and that's another thing that we'll start working on is you know becoming our own category, not lumped in with other groups. He's um I got a chance to speak to him in length about uh, quite a few different topics, and um, he was a really great guy, and has been uh, someone uh, definitely worth staying in touch with, and I'm glad he took the time to come and learn and educate himself about uh, the industry and what's going on. And it was really cool to see someone actually spend the extra time and learn about it. You see so many of these politicians that come in blind with no education. It was so nice to see one actually taking the time to educate himself. And I really thank him for that. We got a great uh, department yeah. of agricultural head over here in Carolina too, but he actually was trying to, he took all the sheriffs to a, to uh, south of the border or whatever, or Carowinds or whatever, and had a meeting with all the sheriffs of all the counties to try to talk them into how we could legalize cannabis in South Carolina and take advantage of the windfall to help the agriculture out. So I'd say we got a pretty cool head of agriculture here in Carolina. Yeah. Just had to throw so, that in there. Thank yeah. you, Hugh. Thank you, Hugh. One day, buddy, one day. So where do you take so those them, for those of you that don't know about um, south of the border, why don't you educate people that aren't on the East Coast 
and don't live anywhere between Delaware and South Carolina about what south of the border is because there's well, a billboard the for border, it the very first the billboard is it is in delaware and it is located in the basically the southernmost part of south carolina well actually it's in the southernmost it's on the north carolina south carolina border and as is carowinds and it, well i might well, maybe i am confused maybe it is a down by savannah but if you're you got. I, I'm not sure if it was Carowinds or south of the border, but it was. It was either up around Rock Hill and Charlotte, or down near Savannah. How about that? <laughs> and it's a. It's a. It's a park. It's like a. It's somewhere you stop when you've been driving forever, and you get to the. You get to the near the border. You cross into the thing, and there's a little amusement park, and they got, you know, concessions and hamburgers and hot dogs and pizzas, and you know, it's a tourist trap. <laughs> But, but, uh, it, yes. They, yeah, thanks but, for clarifying. I totally thought you meant Mexico. Yeah, I thought this was a Taco Bell commercial. Yeah, no, no. I was talking about south of the border. It's a, it's a little, it's a little amusement park that right on the border of South Carolina. And, uh, and, and it was either there or, or like I said, Carowinds, which is, I'm pretty sure the, the, the park, a similar type thing where, like, they'll have, like, uh, national acts come through in the summer and play a concert and stuff like you know and people go out to the park and the rest of the time it's just somewhere you can stop as a rest stop kind of thing and get something to eat with the family and give them a little more experience and you know just the toilets at the you know rest areas on the interstate you know you can buy but, fireworks uh, there you can buy pretty good spicy food yep and, yep. uh yep cigarettes you can buy your Confederate flags and your Confederate vests and Confederate uh, whatever else. You can buy your American flags too. You can yes, and your American flags and the well, the Union flags. But and just kidding. It's um, a, why aren't Union flags a thing that people represent? I can't believe kid, you know about it, Steve. I can't believe I you used know that. to drive from Pennsylvania. All the way to Orlando, where my family was. My uncle was an Imagineer for Disney, growing up as a kid. So I actually, and I'll touch on this too. And Tommy loves to make a joke about this. So um, Disney. Uh, so I've seen a lot of parts of Disney that the public doesn't get to see because my uncle was head of a lot of different departments. And uh, they actually have um, they handle all their insect control via beneficial insects and in all their projects. They do not spray anything because the liability of the so many people are dying or or have cancer or have whatever horrible disease that come to their parks that they cannot risk the liability from the sprays. So what they do is they do beneficial insects because beneficial insects don't have side effects. Um, so. Uh, they actually have the largest beneficial insect breeding program of any private corporation anywhere on the planet. Um, yeah. Aside from, uh, there's one or two ag guys that have big. I, I got to disagree. Go ahead. I got to disagree. There is a side effect to these beneficial insects. Have you seen my windshield lately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing the thing about the Disney program is, do you know who's in charge of the entire uh, bug program? Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket, yeah. <laughs> and I thought my joke was lame. <laughs> so we, um, on that note, we are working on trying to get Susan Wright on the show. She's um, probably the world's biggest expert on beneficial insects. And uh, I talked oh. to her at the Organic Cannabis Conference. We're going to try and get her on the show here soon. 
I'm going to speak with her again in uh, March. Um, I do want to plug those guys. Um, Jeremy, uh, the guys from the Organic Cannabis Conference have taken the time to put together another conference up in... um, Hold on, let me pull up the details here. Well, while you're pulling up, Steve, doesn't Disney use... They incorporate aquaponics and hydroponics throughout the park, don't they? And Epcot Center, yes. Amazing. Yep, and they don't even use chlorine in all the rides. They use bromine. No, they're very eco-conscious for for a large corporation. One so of the, the next things- one I want to mention, people, they can go onto Eventbrite and type in Science of Organic Regenerative Cannabis Conference. The next one's going to be held in Humboldt. Uh, it's going to be Jeff Lowenfell, Susan Wright, Robert, Dr. Robert Faust, who is an incredible guy. He does a lot of work with um, enzymes and um, proteins and um uh, algaes and kelp and stuff like that leighton morrison from kingdom aquaponics dr efron he's one of the um um uh, uh leading um uh, people uh, doctors on on mycorrhizae uh chip Os- osborne uh, casey o'neill uh, i'll be speaking there uh, wendy cronenberg and josh rutherford uh, will all be speaking and the cool thing is on uh, march 14th and 15th um, there's a two-day intensive class with Dr. Elaine Ingram and Scott oh, yes. Scalamines and Leighton Morrison on microscope, uh, microscopy and uh, soil biology. So if you want to learn from Dr. Ingram and Scott, who's been on the show uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, uh, specifically on what microbes are in your compost tea or in your soil, this is the class to go to. And uh, the uh, Elaine's class is March 14th and 15th. Uh, the Humboldt uh, conference is 16th, 17th, and 18th. Um, I don't know which day who's speaking on what. Uh, we're still finalizing that. Um, and but, that's in uh, Red Lake, to... California, just so you guys know. Humboldt's kind of a big place. So yeah. it's in Red Lake, California, which is right next to Garberville. Actually, Are we're going to video tape it and sell a, a video version or so where you can. If you're not in California, you could actually see the class. Uh, I'm not no, sure. Not our but yeah. it's, uh, I always encourage that to all you guys out there. You know, uh, I'll make a video of your class. We'll pay a few bucks to watch the class. Yep. So if you get enough of us to watch the class, you make a few bucks. Too. Uh, definitely Steve check that out if you're looking for that. Yep. Every few months. Yep. Yeah, I know. Sure. Well, you guys uh, are phenomenal, you know. I don't want to complain too much because you know, yeah. one day on the forum a guy said, a guy said, "Oh, it's like, it's like you're a fan of the show." I said, "Well, hell yeah, I'm a fan of the show." You know, hey, I, but, I'll yeah, I'm a fan of the show because you guys are cool as shit. Actually, so, actually, I'll let Tommy. Uh, I'll let Tommy here is I'm a fanboy of what you guys do. I mean, I, I'm a chemist kind of guy. I work in the lab. This is not my daily work, but I'm so impressed with what you guys are trying to create and the and the science behind it and the the honesty and the integrity i'm a full-on fanboy that is exactly why i'm here i like the fact that it's opened up to all different kinds of growers and all and not doing limited aquaponics i thought that was really big of you guys you know to, to to bring in all kinds of people to make it a much broader you know overall effort Right, but look at all the science we've learned in that process. I mean, we've, yeah. had, we, we've all learned so many things that apply to aquaponics. It, it's about teaching people the science and bringing in intelligent people that can speak knowledgeably and share their wisdom. And that's, yeah, like that's, our there wasn't anybody else to have as guests. When well, we started the podcast, it was just me and Steve. Yeah, yeah. dude, me and, when me and Marty yeah. started this, 
we kept both got shit on a weekly basis on oh well you can't even flower cannabis in aquaponics. Oh well, that's yeah. If we limited the the guests to be just aquaponic people, it would have just been me and Steve and like eventually <laughs> Silver Arm, and that would have been it. <laughs> so it was a matter that you brought people back to be on the panel that where we've got this broad panel of of experts from all these different you know ways of growing and 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 ideas that we we and we're all kind of still doing the same thing we're trying to make it better for everybody and well, it's, not even that. it's just realizing we're all allies i mean look at dragonfly earth medicine they don't do aquaponics but we vibe so hard and shared so much knowledge that would apply both to what they're doing and what we're doing they, they've totally gotten me all whole new rabbit holes that i'm researching now because oh. of that like me entire too, new too. rabbit holes. I'm so grateful that we chop, had them on the show. They told me I could chop up all the weeds on my freaking property while I'm cleaning it up. I'm making this killer, you know, uh, ingredient for a compost. <laughs> so. right, or just think about the things that don't, you know, that, that we just have in common. Like Mr. Green Jeans is always on here, you know, dropping genetic knowledge that I've got. You know, I got no, I'm, I'm not a breeder. I'm not trying to become a backyard right. breeder or any of that, you know, so... We get uh, we get benefit from, you know, as the panel grows, we just get more and more information that applies to what we do. And uh, and so that's why we've always, you know, encouraged people to come back, whether it's Roger or Tommy or Mr. Green Jeans or, uh, you know, Brain Grow, like anybody. Uh, you know, we pulled people out of YouTube chat and brought them onto the show before uh, just because yeah. they've been in chat so often, you know, like. We don't really like to have like prerequisites like you have to have some sort of resume to get on the show like if you've got something <laughs> interesting to say about aquaponics or cannabis then you know that's that's pretty much it, not both of them it doesn't have to be both just one or the other and it turns out aquaponics and cannabis span a lot of different topics which have brought us a lot of really cool people so it's been a lot yeah, of fun fighting people terpene people bug people yeah i mean just good golly the, the the net has cast so wide i think it's a really pretty awesome community you guys are started here yeah i mean look at tommy came on first as a guest roger came on as a guest roger came on as a guest mr green Jean started as a guest marty helped found the show with me hogmaster started as a guest um uh brain grow started as a guest so all these people started as a guest and you know what they they've wanted to contribute to the knowledge pool and they're doing what we're doing they're fighting the good fight and they can provide good information and ask good questions and that's how we build this how we all learn and how we keep pushing this forward you know i don't remember the last time someone told me i could not flower in, in aquaponics you know <laughs> i know that marty and i got that on a daily basis when we started this show and after i don't two know, years, I've not to hear it anymore. flowers for something he can't do he's pretty damn good at it <laughs> and you've smoked mine. Oh, hey yes. guys, I, <laughs> I gotta inject something here. Hey, Roger. So, with with this pest issue that we're talking about, I, and I'm going back just a few minutes. Sure. The pest issue we're talking about, we're we're talking about bringing in all the beneficial insects. Yeah. And that's great. I love the idea to bring in beneficial insects to help. But if plants weren't sick to begin with they wouldn't need the beneficial insects and that's the truth well that's yes and no that that to a certain extent but the plants can't fight off everything yeah they can I, definitely I, I be agree. stronger 
uh, but yeah. they can't fight off everything. But yes, and that's one of some of the things like we, I, I, everyone here knows I'm like the prophet of silica in aquaponics. I preach it, I preach it, I preach it because we it makes a night and day difference. <laughs> yep. And I do think silica because of you. I do think that they go, they can go hand in hand, but everybody that I've ever heard say that before in terms of like presenting it, like the plant can fight off anything. I always ask them, I'll be like, all right, can I bring some spider mites into your room? And they always say no, like they never take me up on it. I'll be like, I'll go find some outside. We'll go, we'll go get some strawberry plants and we'll bring them in here. And we'll shake them over the top of all of your plants that are perfectly healthy. I have a fire, I have a fire thrower, a flamethrower. So yeah, bring your spider mites. See, that's what I'm saying though. Like, so that I do completely agree with the fact that a healthy plant will fight off a whole hell of a lot more infestations than one that's not healthy. And I do think that not being healthy will trigger different things. Like if you listen to, um, I believe it was in the Jeff Lowenfels podcast, we talked about different enzymes triggering uh, different responses uh, yep. in the plant. And he was talking about that. And that, that definitely applies here in that situation too, where you know essentially the idea is the plant uh, is, is sending out signals that it needs to be eaten because it's unhealthy and needs to die and, and start over. So uh, that that's the signal that you're sending out and you'll be fighting that as long as you have an unhealthy plant. So your beneficial insects aren't gonna overcome an unhealthy plant that's constantly signaling insects to come eat it. So I do think they go hand in hand. You need a healthy plant and beneficial insects. And that's the point I'm trying to make is if, you're, if your plant is unhealthy, nature says kill the plant. Yeah. Get rid of the plant. So yeah. if we fight that off to begin with, we end up with healthier plants, right? Uh, and, and yes, we still need the beneficial insects. Don't get me wrong. Uh, ladybugs, praying mantis, whatever you need. Uh, it's out there. Use them to help stave it off. But if your plants aren't healthy, not only do you have these, these pests coming in and getting after your plants, but you also get a plant that is unhealthy for you. And that's what people don't understand. Now, you guys probably do understand that, but most people don't. If they don't get the proper nutrients, and, and nitrate is just one of those nutrients. It's the main nutrient. But if they don't get iron and potassium and calcium and and the whole link that, that, that you got out there of, of nutrients, they're not going to be good to eat or good to, to smoke or whatever. Just, yeah. Yeah, for they, sure. I'm totally on board with that. It just, I feel like it gets misconstrued. The concept gets misconstrued in that you, if you have a healthy plant, you'll just never see spider mites ever, or you'll never see uh, aphids ever, or, you know, some different things like that. And you will still see them in your garden, and they'll be much easier to treat if you have healthy plants. But it's not like uh, aphids can't... or just take over uh, or even grasshoppers if you're outside like you've ever seen like a you know a wave of grasshoppers come through an area uh, um, you know they can definitely just devastate even healthy plants but they they definitely don't start out with those and and they do flock on healthy plants and eat those so i do think that there's like uh you know there's a spectrum of it for sure but 
absolutely healthy plants and beneficial insects both are, are you know the ideal situation that that we're going for so that both our plant and our environment can fight off uh an infestation that will eventually come in like you know especially if you're dealing with plants that are coming in from different places if you get them at like we talked about coming from the farmer's market or from the co-op or your buddy that you got clones from or you know we always talk about quarantining them because anytime you bring plants in from the outside you know you run into a risk of getting an infestation and then dealing sure. with it from there so yeah definitely you know take that as a warning everybody yeah you never want to bring any new plants into your healthy garden unless you really know what you're doing especially not strawberries right marty they're they're everywhere man i'm telling you spider mites are all over strawberry plants and, and you just don't see them <coughs> Uh, you know, they don't show signs of it or whatever, but go here in go Texas, here in Texas spider mites hitchhike and they, they just go everywhere. Yep. So we get them, we get them nonstop. We get aphids nonstop. And, and yeah, I agree. No matter how healthy your plant is, it is subject to be invaded by a pest. But the healthier the plant, the less likely it is to be invaded by a pest because nature dictates get rid of the seeker plant first well so you know you one thing for sure is disease is definitely going to be less prevalent with really healthy plants you may still Absolutely. have to deal with pests especially if you're growing outside but the rest of the plant you know the rent like the, the mold and the mildew and the bud rot and all that kind of stuff like that the healthy plant is the way to get by that pretty much for yeah, sure i definitely yeah. agree with that more than the healthy plant will fight off all pests right not, yeah, all, that's what I said, you know, not all but a large majority yeah so, yeah yeah i mean not it'll, it'll maintain itself because it, yep. it can bounce back and regenerate yep. i mean you know it, it adapts so, we know how adaptable before, it is but i agree to, yeah it's, it, it, it's not going to stop even the healthiest plants not going to stop a bad, you know, if you get spider mites in the greenhouse where you're growing vegetables, they're going to get in your grow room probably too. Well, you know, they're, if they're unanswered, topic. they're going to take over. <laughs> before we get too off topic, I want to uh, make sure we uh, wrap things up here with Brian. Um, uh, Brian, uh, what other um, uh, things have you been uh, working on? And then um, you guys recently had a conference this, this past November. Um, uh, I know you guys did a lot of different cool things. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, or and, and a little about maybe out next year and um, why people should come uh, come see the next one? Yeah, so the Putting Down Roots Conference in Portland. It was two full days, Friday and Saturday, and then about a half day Sunday. There was a tour on friday morning of a local aquaponics build that was ba uh, trying to replicate a commercial model of a system that uh, it was still underway uh, the tour on saturday first we went to live local organic which is a certified organic um, aquaponic basil greenhouse in portland oregon so um or excuse me not a greenhouse a warehouse um, so that was exciting um seeing people do it in an alternate then up on saturday we went to a uh, a food hub where people come together for uh, processing and packaging and the things that uh, a lot of different uh, food producers need um then we had four different 
tracks of classes, a track on aquaponics and STEM education, uh, commercial aquaponics, aquaponics, research and food safety, and uh, community aquaponics, which focuses more on the philanthropy and uh, subsistence growing for yourself. And uh, these happen to also be the four we're looking to form on the association. So going forward, we'd like to have a committee of people um, that are working on these four. And again, and uh, community, research and food safety, and STEM education. Uh, and we'll likely carry those things through to this conference in, uh, in Hartford. Um, we're working to line up the tours. That's exciting. Um, so another thing that's one of my personal uh, projects that I really like that I haven't had much time to focus on it lately, but um, it's on my back burner, is trying to um, true cost accounting in our economy. Uh, there's a professor named Harpender Sand to meet with. He did a full cost accounting assessment of four different food production systems, uh, one of which was Joel Salatin's Polyface Farm. Uh, and so basically, uh, you know, for, for those who aren't as into this, the concept of a negative externality, uh, for example, if a farm has a bunch of runoff downstream and that causes an that's a cost, but neither the farmers of that farm ever paid that cost. So the, the cost is pushed out onto someone else. Uh, and it's a similar concept with food miles. If all of our food is being transported long distances, that's carbon we have to use. Uh, and it's the same thing for people that use antibiotics or hormones. You know, what are the costs we may have to pay eventually for the fact that we use so much uh, pesticides and antibiotics and hormones now? Uh, so these are all costs. They're hard to, but if we are able to quantify them and, and the phrase is to quote unquote internalize those costs, uh, then those people that are using detrimental methods their methods get more expensive and unsustainable. And then us as aquaponic growers, because we're able to grow so efficiently, we are then the ones able to step into the marketplace. And what's kind of ironic is that this is kind of a Republican concept. It's like the free market economy. It's just the fact that you have to accurately assign those costs and benefits before it will run the right way. Uh, but because we're so efficient, that's what we want. We want to say, put a cost on all these negative things because we're going to be the ones able to skate by without having to pay those. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, uh, did you, um, want to tell people, uh, how to find your, uh, your company and how to find the aquaponics association? Sure. Um, well, mine is just at anacostiaaquaponics.org. Unless you're in the D.C. area, you, you may not find it that interesting. I try to focus on the local scene. Um, and then uh, the Aquaponics Association, we are at aquaponicsassociation.org. We'll be at the World Aquaculture Society Conference in Las Vegas coming up uh, this, uh, this coming week. Um, our Farm Bill page, and if you'd like, you can sign up for the Farm Bill Coalition. Um, also, stay tuned. We'll have an opportunity for people to nominate themselves or others likely for uh, once we start putting together these functional teams to start 
actually you know putting boots on the ground and moving things forward uh, like i said right now the uh we're working on a lot of administrative loose ends a lot of you know heavy lifting behind the scenes hopefully we're able to move forward on some more fun stuff in the coming months um, also check out our the video we just posted um about the students that had a nasa grant uh, and also there will be um more video content from us coming out in the coming months uh, some more highlight videos from uh, putting down roots speakers like nick savadov and angela tenbrook um, and also then uh, aquaponics association members will have access to those full videos on our vimeo site um, so those things will uh, start being rolled out in like i said in, in uh, the weeks and months to come Oh, nice to at least see somebody on the East Coast. I didn't realize that when I first popped in. I was a little late today, but yeah, that's you're just a day's drive for me. So, yeah, one maybe well, like, one day. Yeah, like I said, Hartford in October should be fun. <laughs> yeah, good. definitely respect to your company, man, for trying to build people up as assistants, farmers. Oh well. Yeah, thank you. And, and you know, I, I think that's another good point is that, um, you know, there's a lot of different angles here. There's the commercial side, but then a lot of people are in aquaponics just to, uh, um, you know, supplement their own diet. And a lot of it is, you know, it's a uh, uh, very, very choice for them to know where their food comes from. And uh, we're, we're trying to make sure we help those people, too, with our uh, community focus, not just the commercial That's the biggest part of it, yeah. I try to try to make it to help out the local people and and the small growers so they can grow their very easy to manage once they understand it. They don't understand it at first. That's a big thing. Sometimes they go nuts because um, they're they go oh oh there's a pump and you have to, oh you know but it's so it's so great to show people how to you know to build any kind of system or grow something and, and i find the people that are getting into it are older you know a lot of the people that are coming in the industry growing anything whether it be food or cannabis are above 50. you know they're finally getting they're feeling like they got this freedom you know they, they there's you know there's data to back it up and uh, and, uh, and the information released by library of congress several years ago you know, all confirmed to them that it wasn't dangerous and cannabis had a good thing. And, and, and yeah. with the food, especially though, um, well, I, I, I'm, I'm getting sideways again, but yeah, I think it's great. What, what you're doing. That's, Sorry. that's fantastic. Sorry about that. anyway, uh, I had some, uh, conductivity issues on our end. Uh, Tommy, I'll be back here in a second. Um, the router here, uh, had to be rebooted. I saw some things flashing around. I saw badges going pop, pop, pop. Yeah. <laughs> like a video game. Um, thanks, uh, thanks, Brain Grow for our. Come again, as long as uh, joining. And you know what you're doing. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just. Yeah, Steve, you're brave. Yeah, right Thanks now. for joining us. Yeah. Oh, let, yeah. let me, uh, no, just me. Let me, let me fix my end. I'll let you guys continue. Uh, Marty or Roger, if you could take over temporarily, so okay. I fix this. Yeah.
We'll be All good. Right. We'll be good. good. Where's Marty at? Marty, what you got going there, buddy? Oh, I'm just letting you guys take a peek at my fish tank here. And, That's uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, my external... Wait. Yeah, so this is my external siphon is getting ready to stop here probably in a minute. So my bed getting ready to empty. So this used to be my veg system. <laughs> and I just converted it to a flower. And <clears throat> I haven't there. Well, the system is still in veg. So I'm still on a veg lighting system, but it's in my flower room now. <clears throat> and I have these CMH lights up here. So these are ceramic metal halide. So this is the first time I've done ceramic metal halide with aquaponics. So I have that on this side, and then over here will still be the LED side that you guys were looking at before. We had the last last couple of grows, but uh, this will be the ceramic metal halide side. And uh, dual red zone pots like we talked about so often. And uh, got my, in here we got wheatgrass, uh, there's a whole bunch of little like mustard greens and all kinds of stuff in here that'll be coming up pretty soon. Uh, these are uh, sunflower seeds. Um, so we eat those as microgreens. Uh, what else do we have in there? Really? Some kale will be popping up. And uh, the same thing over here. You can see a whole bunch of little sprouts in there. So we'll be growing a lot, uh, pretty much all of our own. Uh, all of our own greens and stuff again pretty soon now that i got the flower room kind of set up again and rearrange stuff but uh so this is a pretty simple system it's just a bed that's set on top of a couple of supports so these are actually separate i can slide this bed back and forth if i want to and it's just over the top of this uh aquarium tank here in my external siphon a few fish in there so this is just a loop siphon. So my bed fills up to here. The end of this hose is what you see down there with the T on the end of it, where the water is coming out. So that what you for people that don't really understand that what you're saying is that that's as high as the water gets inside the uh, actual grow bed too, right? Yep. That's right. So <clears throat> this right here, the water fills up inside the grow bed up to this point right here. That, yep. And then it kicks the siphon off and drains all the way out. There you go, folks. A nice passive system. So Marty, what type of uh, what what size of hose are you using right there? And then how many gallons does your pump put out? So I don't know. I haven't actually measured it. So, but I, I think it's like a nine hundred gallon per hour. It's just a it's a fairly large uh, aquarium fish pump fish uh, aquarium pump. You get it like you have that running at full uh full power i do have it running at full power but that's an interesting question because what i do is rather than put back pressure on the pump i use a like a bleeder hose you can see it's just spraying back into the tank there to provide aeration so what i do is it's set up so that where i feed my tank up here i've got a t let's drop my lighter <clears throat> i have a t set up so that it's angled and my bleeder hose comes out down there so I can set as much pressure as I want to come out of the bed 
and everything that's extra comes out down here that's got no restriction on it whatsoever. And so it's just spraying down in to provide constant aeration. So I don't run an air stone in the system at all. All the aeration is provided by that and this aeration it gets right here from falling back into the tank. Fish look happy. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. I know it, Arboros. Yeah, was, that a, was that a koi fish, that white one? Yep, there's a koi and goldfish um, are all all the ones that are in there right now. Some of these are just like feeder goldfish I bought probably five years ago. They're still alive. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, you that's kind of how one of my systems is right now. It was about two years ago when I got them. They're getting pretty big. I have one that's up to about four or five inches. Pretty big. Yep. So I have uh, in the other side of the other system over there, I can show you. I've got some pretty big koi. <laughs> Actually, they're too big to fit in the net. That's why they're not in this system over here. I have to get a different net so I can move a couple of them. But uh, let's see if I can clear that out. I also have a little experiment going on. I just transplanted these today, but I have three plants in one big dual root zone pot. Ah. Good, good experiment. I like that. I like so that. See, um, how that goes. That tests the theory of as long as you provide the right nutrients, it doesn't matter about root bound and pot and spreading the roots out kind of thing. It's right. also got holes that like, it'll take it up down there. So in here are some of my other koi. See if we can find Donald Trump. He's down here somewhere. Oh, I can't. I've been waiting to tell man. No way. Really? We're going to see Donald Trump. So for those of you guys who don't know on the on the podcast, there he is. He's got the big orange patch right on his head. <laughs> man, those so, are nice, man. Oh, I so, love those. He uh, he actually will smash any fish that doesn't look like him into the side of the tank repeatedly until they die. <laughs> so all all these goldfish in here are fine. They look pretty much like him. He's got no issue with them. But if I put a goldfish in here that has the big eyes. I forget what they're called, and Steve will probably know. But you know the ones I'm talking about? Like, they're just goldfish, but telescope. they just look different. The telescopes like, or the bubble eyes. Yeah. yeah, the bubble eyes. So he, if I put bubble eyes in here, which I have, he's killed six of them just by smashing them against the side of the tank until their eyes pop <laughs> and they die. Is he just a big... Oh, man, four things. Is he just a bigot or what? I guess so. I don't know. All these other ones are fine. He has no issue with the, all these other That's fish. why he's Donald Trump, man. He's a That's jackass. He, that other one is... That's why he's Donald Trump, man. <laughs> I just scared him off. <laughs> Eat that he's fish. He's not the biggest one either. Now, how long is he? Uh, you know, just to give us some perspective. How long is he? I don't know. I mean, guess. I mean, three, four, five inches. Okay, we're right about seven, eight inches. That's a good 30-footer there, man. That's, that's like 30, 35 feet. Um, I would say he's he's at least 10 inches. 10 inches, okay. Yeah. Ask your that's wife. You always hear that. My wife would say seven and a half. There you go. See? Seven and a half inches. On a warm day. <laughs> no breeze. <laughs> I just got out of the shower, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's your fault. Oh my god. Here we go. I told you it wasn't ten inches. 
<laughs> no, I would say that uh, that the largest one in there, the one you can see that's multicolored and has the orange patch on its head, it's the biggest one. And I would say it's at least 10 inches. If you call it, it Donald Trump, I think you're going to just bomb the whole system. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, See, man, you know what I just realized is Brian left, and we didn't even let him plug his uh, stuff. Oh, damn. That sucks. No, yeah, we had him plug his stuff. Steve got him to plug Aqua. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the Aquaponics Association.org. And, um, and, it's all uh, in the... Uh, it's in the description too. Yeah, I mean, usually we're just before they leave, we're like, "Why don't you uh, remind people how to find you or whatever?" You know, I'm just saying. Steve had disconnection problems. I Brian. know. I fucking all that. My man. Sorry, Brian. Probably got tired of looking at my ugly system. No, it's I, I, I it's pretty cool that you got you got it back, you got it up and going, and you, you know, you got a new a new section going there and. You're gonna yeah, have a lot of fun. I love it. Marty, the boot. Marty, is that in your house? It's in my garage. Is that part of your house? Yeah. Wow. I, get it. I mean, it's in my garage. Why? Uh, well, <laughs> here in Texas, we don't have that kind of stuff, so I, that's why I say wow. <laughs> you have garages over there? <laughs> I know. I lived in Texas. We had a garage. They don't. They don't so, decorate um, them the same way. That's Marty, all. Marty, we have a question in chat. It says you feed through it's water and and DRZ, Marty. Very nice. Do you want to give people a little quick explanation as to your grow? Just because not everybody. We got a couple of newer watchers on the show and everything. Maybe give a little quick walkthrough. What's going on? Or why uh, you have yeah. set up? I mean, I did a little bit already. So, but I'll do it again. So yeah, this is. So here we have dual red zone pots. So here from, actually here, this will probably help. You can see, I just did this one earlier, but that'll give you an idea of how far down the pot is. So basically I want the bottom of the pot to sit just low enough so that water fills in on the bottom and will then pull roots out. So but not so close so that it is constantly wicking water. You can see the but, bottom right there is got But you can basically talk like about salt buildup right there or, you know, whatever. That's that actually is. calcium carbonate. Calcium. calcium deposits, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot in my water. Yeah, but that shows you, right, how much of the pot, you know, gets in the water. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. That's why he was just showing the pot up right there. Yeah, just a constant <clears throat> cycle in the system. Just like most aquaponic systems, my pump runs 24-7 like we talked about. I have the, uh, the external siphon, so the water starts, let's just start down here. So you can see the pump down there, and it pumps the water up, <clears throat> feeds this into the bed, and the water fills up until it reaches the top oh, of this right here. Yep. Okay? which is just below where these pots sit. So that as soon as the roots hit the bottom of the pot, they start getting water. And the bottom of these are filled with media all the way up until here. So the soil doesn't start till above the line of the media so that it's not constantly wicking. So that'd be the difference between a dual root zone pot and a wicking pot, which seem to get confused with each other yeah. a lot. Cool. <clears throat> so if I wanted a wicking pot that was constantly wet, which I don't 
I don't know why you would if you were growing cannabis. Other stuff, maybe maybe you would. Um, but you, you would you would just have soil <laughs> in all of all of these uh, all the way to the bottom. But in this case, everything that's below the line right here and inside of this pot is full of media. Like this stuff. In other words, the expanded clay. How tall is your grow bed? This grow bed is only eight Pretty inches. You see, it's just two two by fours. Okay. Yeah, I was watching so your YouTube eight. video and I had I see, a few and those, questions prepared for you. I was like, those look like two by four, so that's probably about eight inches. Just wanted to clear a few things up, you know? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> and I wanted to mention that, as always, I see you've been, and you've uh, applied your. I I just make it out of eight foot boards, right, Marty? That's right. That's right. Eight right foot with boards, that pond so. liner, that awesome. Uh, what is that? Mm -hmm. Ultra scrim? Is that what it is, Marty? <clears throat> so I believe this is called Duriscrim or Ultra. Maybe it's Ultra Scrim. It, it's like ultra, you got Ultra Scrim. Oh yeah, Roger knows. Go ahead, Roger. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you sell it, Roger? Truelockbonics.com. Yeah, we we care of that. <clears throat> I <clears throat> excuse me. I highly recommend it. I think it's good stuff. Um, it's nice and solid. Uh, you know, it really sort of holds its own. You can basically just reinforce it, and uh, I, I haven't had any issues with it. I've made like this entire system over here. Even the fish tank is made out of it, and uh, I haven't had any issues with leaking or holes getting punched in it and actually on that tank over that big fish tank over there there isn't even a bottom to it um it just sits on my i mean a nice smooth cement floor like this so there's you know it's nice and clean under it um tell, but, tell the truth now you even used it for a, a ceiling at one point in one of your grows a ceiling yeah you you one time you, you used some of it for your grow bed but didn't you use some to to make a tent or something or a cover, mm. you were telling me? <clears throat> no, this is... Uh, a couple of years ago. No, so this is uh, what we use for that. That's different stuff. This is panda plastic, yep. which is black on one side and white on the other, and it's a lot cheaper. And it doesn't have to be food grade when you're just making a tent. But what I did make out of it is uh, sub-irrigated planters. So they're basically like a, you know, like a dual-root zone pot with its own little reservoir on the bottom. Uh, but they're they're just standalone, so they're they're called sub irrigated planters, and uh, I made a number of those out of just random storage totes I had that weren't food grade plastic, so I just lined them with the liner, and made them food grade so that I could use them as a sub irrigated planter. Did you so, line them inside now? Uh, nope, just inside. So they're not, they don't go, <clears throat> they don't go in the aquaponics system. They just sit on the floor. <clears throat> I'm with you. I'm with you. I get, I get it. Okay. Yeah. So if I was putting them in the system, then yeah, I would definitely do inside now. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But in need, these are all roll of panda plastic. There you go. That's the same stuff I have. Our, my walls are made out of right here. Just, just. So everybody knows panda plastic sucks. <laughs> My well, depends what you're using it for. If you're using it for a liner, yes. If you're using it for a wall covering, it's different. I 100% agree. I just headset. 
One of the best wall You guys can see my, my siphon is going full bore right now. So while we were all talking, the bed filled up again. And it kicked oh. off. Now it's draining out. We had a... We got a question from chat, is something going wrong? It says, do you companion plant with cannabis and aquaponics? Uh, why don't you answer that first, Marty, because you do a lot more than I do. Um, I do a lot, mostly because I like to eat them and because I feel like it provides uh, more diversity for the nitrification process. Um, so you have, you have more plants that can take up nitrogen spikes if they occur. Like, you know, just naturally, uh, like for instance, my son decides he wants to feed the fish three times as often today as he did yesterday. Uh, there are, are more plans to spread out any imbalances and more plans to signal you that there are imbalances. Like, you know, for instance, I'll be able to uh, see nutrient deficiencies in, uh, in other plants or other growth rates before they'll show up in the larger cannabis plants in some cases. Some of them you'll you'll be able to use them as a place to treat, uh, you know, insects uh, infestations. Diagnostic tool. Yeah, just as a, a way to be able to to see them. Like for instance, we talked about strawberry plants. They don't really show damage from spider mites, but on that same spectrum, you have uh, mint plants that show damage almost immediately. Uh, they start showing leaf damage and in little white spots and. Uh, their growth, uh, the color of the leaf changes, so they they respond very quickly when they get infested with spider mites, and you can see it uh, fast. And you, they can act as bait plants, and then if you want, you can you can pull them out. Now, I definitely recommend keeping mint contained because it'll take over an entire grow bed uh, if you want to have it in your system, which I probably will in one of these corners. I'll probably plant a mint and a sage and a couple of other things, but inside of a dual root zone pot so their roots can just take over or they'll, they'll spread over a whole bed and, and take over and, and that will be the only companion plant that you have to your cannabis as opposed to, uh, to multiple ones. So I prefer using things like greens. I stay away from things that fruit or flower. So, you know, obviously cauliflower isn't, uh, isn't a fruit, but it is going to take up a lot of nutrients out of your system that that aren't nitrogen um i do grow kale which what? takes up a considerable amount of calcium and part of that is because like we saw before i get a lot of calcium carbonate build up in my system and i want to uh take up as much as i can so i use them as a means to take up uh and, and show imbalances in the system whether it, awesome. it's like a nitrogen spike or uh, seeing and being able to diagnose uh, deficiencies. Also remember, especially in smaller systems, brassicas, anything, broccoli, cauliflower, anything in the mustard family, kale, uh, collard greens, is a pretty wide range of plants. They love to pull sodium, so if your sodium is, ends up pretty high in your water tests or your high salt levels, that can be a great way to help pull and draw that sodium out of your system. Uh, at the same time, basil can be great for letting you know when, when your iron is very de depleted. Um, it shows magnesium deficiency very quickly as well. So, you know, some of these very quick-growing, fast-acting plants, just like Marty's talking about, can be great indicator plants so that you know before the cannabis is stressing. Yeah, also, for, for the folks just doing veggies or whatever in their, in their aquaponics system, 
uh, basil, just Genovese basil is a telltale mm -hmm. sign for you up front, just like uh, Steve okay. said. And, and uh, if you don't have proper nutrition, and when I say nutrition, I'm just not, I'm not talking about just nitrate. The minerals got to be there. Uh, iron, potassium, magnesium. If you overdo any of them, it's going to hurt your plants in the long run. No matter what plants you're growing, it's going to hurt them. So keep that in mind. So, uh, Marty, um, how far above the canopy do you have the ceramic metal halides hanging? And will you be raising the lights as they get taller or training the plants to kind of spread the canopy or both? So they're up pretty much as high as they can go right now, which is pretty high above uh, where they're at or where they were before. I, I took this, the ceiling off of this part of the tent so I could raise them up higher. Because uh, previously, if you guys watched on the YouTube channel, uh, on this side, I had this is where I had the sub irrigator planters set up. And I grew um, underneath these because uh, <clears throat> with those, they can sit all the way down. Um, and obviously, if you've got to sit on top of the fish tank here as a part of the aquaponics system, I need a little bit more uh, headroom in order to do that. So I would say right now, these are probably, I mean, I'm not measuring. So I would say somewhere between three and a half and four feet uh, above the canopy or above the bed, I should say, top of the, the pots. And uh, I won't be able to move them up, but I will be training them uh, and pulling them down. You can see a couple of them are already pulled sideways a little bit. Um, and I will be training them a little bit. I won't have a traditional scrog net, but uh, I will be doing some low stress training in order to kind of fan them out here. But for the most part, I'm going for a little bit higher uh, plant density count uh, as opposed to larger plants, just because I'm limited on headspace. Awesome. They got you stuck on plant counts, yeah? We're spoiled down oh, yeah. here still. Yep, still stuck on plant counts. Can only grow for myself, even indoors. Here here in texas we 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 kind of just don't give a shit what they think we just do what we want we grow all we can basically yeah. basically once against um, the law might as well grow all you can hogmaster you had a pretty interesting <laughs> video earlier do you want to give a little demonstration i think you were trying to a little earlier uh yeah give me just a few seconds to get back down there yeah yeah I'll let you set up, and when you're ready, just just say something, and and we'll we'll switch over. I'll put the camera on you. Which one of you guys were were laughing like they got what I said? Which one of you? Me, brain grow. I'm I'm from Texas. <laughs> yeah, all right, I mean, sir. All right, every sir. Every single person. Thank here. you very much. Never forget, everyone's everyone started here on uh, doing things less than legally, as we prefer to term it, uh, or previously legally. Allegedly. Always. Allegedly. Allegedly. It should Back be legal. Since the mid-70s. Steve, did you have any other questions from chat? Because my battery is about to die. If God created um, it, by yes, God, uh, in order to be legal. a question about uh, your supplementation. <clears throat> All right. So, um, 
So for the most part, I have uh, soil already pre-mixed with worm castings that goes into the top layer here. Like you can see here that it's all kind of dried out right now, but I haven't fed anything to it recently. So I do brew tea and I'll add to that. I'll do ferments like I do uh, blackberry ferments and I'm doing, um, uh, I usually do a sour plum ferment in the fall, but obviously I don't have any of those, but I will have blackberries pretty soon that I'll be able to do. And then I do all my own uh, food scraps, like uh, pretty much any uh, fruit or flowering vegetable goes to the worms. Um, I've fed them other stuff in the past as well, but uh, um, like some stuff from down to others, like BioLive and uh, <clears throat> different things like that that I've mixed into the soil. But for the last couple of runs, I've just done my own castings from my own food scraps. And uh, that's what goes into the dual root zone. And uh, that's what I, uh, what I feed into there. So I do also feed the, from the worm bin, um, I gather the water that, <clears throat> that I rinse through that and feed to the worms, which would be more like a leachate um, than a tea. And uh, I feed that into the media beds or into the dual root zone pot. Um, and that's where all of my nutrient supplementation comes from. It is, uh, gets filtered through my worm bin or it comes from food. Uh, that I feed the fish, which the fish food I use is basically just a commercial uh, pellet food. It's uh, I get it at my local co-op, <clears throat> and it, I mean it's labeled organic, but you know it's not. I shouldn't say it's not like organic certified fish food. It's just uh, touted as an organic option. I did take a look at a number of different fish foods and found all of their guaranteed analysis to be pretty much identical. So uh, those are my inputs is all, basically everything goes through fish food or worm food. Marty, how many gallons is your system? <clears throat> uh, both of my systems that we looked at right now no, this, are this around 150 here. gallons. This one right here? Yeah. Well, this is a 150 gallon tank that you see down here. And it's, right. I would say, 80% full. So okay, 100 and gonna, we'll just call it 150 gallons. Let's call it 200 gallons. I'm gonna send you three, three <coughs> doses of three week nutrient dose that we we carry. I want you to got my guys. You gotta you gotta test it for nine weeks. And at the oh, end of the nine, nine, hey, I'm the one that uses great aquaponic media beds here. <laughs> hey, at that at the end of the nine weeks, you tell me it ain't doing better, and I I will kiss your butt. Um, so I could, I could definitely test that. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, what's your pH? <coughs> My pH is from 6.5 to 6.8. All right. Not a problem. I'm going to send you three doses that should be put in every three weeks. And at the, after the last dose, you tell me what you got live on the air recorded. I want you to tell me what you got. But but you gotta agree not to put nothing else in there, no worm tea, nothing. Just what well, I, I already you. have. I already so have soil mixed with my own castings in each one I of understand. these. Pots. I understand, but but in the future, 
Can you tell the control? It'll be there in three or four days. Well, I understand that. I just want you to understand I've already added other stuff to these plants other than what you're sending me. So inside of these has nutrient content that's already been added to it through my own castings and soil. So it won't be just your supplementation in there. You'd have to have somebody do straight aquaponics without dual root zone. And that's what Brain Grow was just talking about. So he might. Okay, now. well, find me, find me somebody that can do. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say I use um, the um, straight aquaponic media beds in some of my grows. I I do like to use the dual root zones, but I also like to. Uh, I'm not going to shit on dual root zone, but I like to keep it a little more real with the straight media beds and see what I can get out of that. You know what I mean? So, um, right. yeah, for sure. if you want, like, I'll uh, definitely try it out on my next grow, you know, um, you know side by side yet? that's my question. And no, yeah, no well, okay. Because uh, okay, all of my plants are already in the If you've seen that, if you've seen that, the purple pheno of that ninja fruit of the picture I posted in the aquaponics <laughs> group, um, yeah, yesterday, a couple days ago, I'm not sure when it was, but, uh, that's the straight media bed pheno. And um, I also have the dual root zone one that was in the recirculating deep water culture that is doing amazing. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not definitely not trying to shit on dual root zone at all. I love dual root zone, you know? <laughs> For sure. Just here, aware Marty's a convert. Marty started off just doing straight beds with the, with the worm tea, yeah? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just like to see, oh, I'm yeah. trying to really get to a point where I can do it just without dual root zone, just so I can really know exactly what's going on. And I have to well, say, since I've been using the pumpkin as feed, I've been having some pretty awesome results, better than expected, to be completely honest. Yeah, well, I think uh, that uh, if, you look at, if you look at some of my first grow, like my, my first outdoor grow on my channel is... Uh, there's no dual root zone on that, and it, it still came out phenomenal. And I've talked about the difference a number of times between the two of them and, and doing straight media beds versus dual root zone, just the differences. Um, and, and I think if you are stuck on a plant count like I am, then you should definitely dual, dual root zone um, and for a number of reasons. But if you aren't stuck on a plant count and you have a whole bunch of plants to do, then it's going to be a lot of work in order to do that. I'm trying to get my camera to refocusing. <clears throat> so, you know, if you've got 5,000 plants, then I can definitely see the argument of brewing a larger batch of tea and feeding it through a liquid-based uh, uh, system as opposed to top dressing each one of them. But if you look at my last run that I did indoors with all dual root zone pots, that's what we're looking at right here. This is Gorilla Glue that I grew in the last... Uh, the last run and uh, I didn't feed anything any tea to this and now I can't get this focus again there we go so I didn't feed any tea um, or anything after uh, that other than um, I did add some castings to the top I top dressed some more castings a couple of weeks in the flower one week in the flower and then about four weeks in the flower and I didn't touch it again after that, and it came out amazing. So um, I do think that's kind of the main difference is that uh, when I grew without dual root zone, I had to add a lot of tea a lot more often, like once to twice a week as opposed to once to twice a month. So 
That's my that's yeah, my impression. Definitely. Yeah, I, I'll absolutely agree with that. You know, growing in the media beds, I'm probably feeding at least every four to five days regularly just to keep my plants on track. You know, so that is you know we're talking about cannabis here feeds pretty heavy so you need definitely way more than nitrates when you're talking about flowering now do keep in mind also that the um what i did on the last run if you guys look at it it was in the larger sized pot so that was one one plant right there the jackhammer oh uh, yeah it's an old label i did have, actually jackhammer i did grow under these cmh lights in uh and the sub-irrigated planters. I think that's like uh, my third indoor grove. Your plants you look, look very thing. lanky. These are lanky. This is Gorilla Glue. So first of all, it's been really thinned out because when I got these plants, they already had spider mites on them. Yeah. So I went through and pulled a bunch of leaves off. So most of what you see right there is secondary growth as opposed to primary growth. So you would have a lot of larger leaves on here if I hadn't already pulled them off. Like, see how this is a bigger plant here, but it doesn't have any leaves the size of this one over there. That's because it had a much larger in infestation. What's wrong, What's wrong with my finger? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? It's like red tipped. What the hell? I don't know. <laughs> I'm so amazed by maybe my screen. I don't know. He's been breaking up one of his purple strings. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, so that's how they, they appear to be a little thinner. They've been they've been thinned out, and uh, we're just sitting in my garage for a little while, so they'll get a lot more bushy and have a lot more thicker leaves uh, once they don't have spider mites anymore. So, Brain Girl, send me an email. So, so Hogmaster. Alrighty, I'll be happy to. <laughs> you got some sexy pictures going on there. You want to tell us about what you got going on in your grow? Those are some nice tight plants there. Yeah, these are actually in a 15-gallon pot, and it's two Skywalker OGs. Turn the phone sideways. Yes, please turn the phone sideways. Thank you. There you go. There's need to do some trimming, but she's getting big. And, or the two of them are getting big and beautiful. But that's some Skywalker OG off uh, ilovegrowingmarijuana.com. Uh, see here. We have some AK-47, Super Skunk, White Widow, and another AK-47. All autos. And then I have... Uh, Two shishka berries going over here. And nice. I think two more skywalkers. Another white widow. And another super skunk. Oh, they're looking so really nice. Of 13 going. Looking great. And I'm just using uh, Pro Mix BX. And. Nutrients. Oh. You want to, uh, you had a Rosanier rocking earlier. You, uh, you have anything left to squish or? Yeah, I'll have to press a few more pucks. Cool. But, yeah, I got two of them. Oh, shit. Look at that. You got yeah. all the lab rocking. Yep, I can double power it. Check so. that out. 
Sick he threatens that. his women right in front of him. He squishes the other girls. Yep. Right in front of the girls that are grown. And they love it. As you they can produce see. more. They don't last long. I'll tell you that. So do you flower that whole thing out at once, or do you do you have a veg and a flower? This is flower right here, and I got them under a new 630 watt, uh, and I'm running the LEC Phillips bulbs, okay. 315. Awesome. So just got got them all rocking out. They seem to be really happy under the new light. Uh, they vegged under LEDs. And they look real tight. Yeah, no, they look great. They I mean, how many days in the flower are they? Here is in its third, fourth week. I'd say third week after the initial two weeks, and then uh, the rest of them are about a week. Can bench. you uh, can you get a little tighter in on them flowers just to show people? Wide point. Oh, they look so sexy. So, uh, do you prefer those cloth pots to just regular pots? And why is that? Just because the the airflow that you can get through them it allows the roots to breathe. And I found you can also in those cloth can, pots keep a really healthy bacteria culture going. Really? Absolutely. Lots of, lots of air movement. I actually probably crazy. over. I probably way overdid my pot size on the the two Skywalkers together. Because my roots usually <laughs> I can I can keep them pretty tight. If you feed them right, they stay pretty tight in your waste and soil. Do those require more watering than your traditional style pots, or no? I'm watering these about every two to three days yep in three days they're getting pretty dry yeah pro mix when you're growing with pro mix it generally is about two or three days um it and just depends the nice on how big the plant pots is. most good soil is every two or three days yeah but yeah but and you can lift the pot anything with good aeration feel the weight yeah anything that's proper soil it, it has a lot to do with how big the plant is. You know, in the younger stages of the plant, it doesn't, it's a lot, you know, it could even be three or four days sometimes, but, it, you know, well, actually you shouldn't have it that big of a pot, in my opinion, but, you know, uh, where it takes four days. So I guess that it, part of it's being in the right size pot and the other side is that in flower, you're going to add, you know, more water more often. So do you reuse your soil? Uh, here... On this batch, I did. So this will be my last grow at this location. And then I'm heading to the East Coast. You're taking your soil with so, you, right? <laughs> Sustainable practices, oh yeah, man. Sustainable it. practices. <laughs> on up to the East Side. I'll tell you, I, I keep, I've, I've been growing in ProMix for teaching purposes. And I actually have enjoyed it and had great results uh, the last couple of years and i reuse mine and recycle it you know i just clean it all up and get the roots out and you know do oh, i've got my own process i'm not going to go sideways on that but i i do uh, definitely use reuse the uh pro mix you know after a plant you know just i let it dry out yeah, completely 
so I can easily remove the root ball and all. And then I, I don't even remove all yeah, the roots from 60%, it. Sixty percent of this big plant is recycled. Yep. Pro mix. Cool. So yep. And it's the tightest one of the group. That's some nice leaves, man. That looks like a yeah, big you old. Know, I'm, I wish Tad Hussey yeah. would have touched on this a little bit, but um, I remember listening to him on another podcast, and he talks about how your soil's fertility will real, really kick in after, like, the second or third cycle. Yeah. There's been a lot of discussion about that. Oh, yeah. Check yeah, their it out. hands. They're nice. little treat for me and my cat. But yeah, give me a few minutes and I'll throw a puck together and press it real quick. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> These are all uh, video clips from Google, people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> stock clips, yep. That's right, stock clips. Recycled. Reruns, if you will. Yeah, this is just really a loop. You just don't realize it. It's just a loop. <laughs> I grew these back in the 70s. Allegedly, again. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, well um, looks like Steve uh, dropped off on us again. Well, yeah, does Steve drop out? I was just going to, okay, well, no, I'll bypass him. issues, I guess. He's down, he's down in the other room. It sounds like he has Tourette's with his computer right now. <laughs> I can imagine. I could hear him. Yeah, he's, he's scaring the chickens. So what you Freak got going track. on there, Green Jeans? Yeah. Gotta get your get your <laughs> mic there, Mr. Green Jeans. Yeah, unmute yourself, old man. Yeah, you're on mute. I will. I'm unmuted now. There you I, are. I'm gonna, I'll turn off the video because it's supposed to be making. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a great it was a an amazing day. My uh, wife's dad actually came in here and saw my plants. Like you've been keeping uh, him okay. secret, his secret from Those him for 20 years, you know, and I've, it's terrible <clears throat> because I, I've always tried to be out of the closet, you know, in so many ways, so to speak, you know, because of course I am sort of, it's a joke because I'm, you know, I'm kind of growing in the closet, but I mean, I'm trying to, you know, and I didn't, I didn't want to keep this all secret from him, but you know, it was, it was, I had to do it for her, but today, it was great. It was a great day. And also last week and everything, it was fantastic. Cause I, I gave away a lot of product. I had a lot of extra because I grew that, you know, I had all those Dutch uh, genetics, the G13s and the, what was it? The AMS and the um, super criticals. And, and I had to test it all myself. It was brutal. I could barely stand it guys. Oh my God. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the super, <laughs> I can't take all that <laughs> like I used to be able to, but I, I did it, uh, you know, and, uh, but I had a lot of extra, so I, I gave it away. 
and that was that's nice that felt good and you know i also got a bunch of the family members on the oil on the the you know the fantastic uh, infused oil recipe which i learned from yeah. Tommy. and uh, everyone loves that man it's amazing it comes out smelling really good you know it has all the smells and tastes of the fresh uh the fresh product because we're we're uh we're de de decarboxylating it at a, at a really low temperature <laughs> as low as we can do it you know and it, it still smells and tastes just like the real thing it's amazing right. so yeah and I'm, I'm just about to spring for the press i haven't gotten that brain i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do and you know tonight or tomorrow do it, man do it i know i'm I'm He's going to decision in your life. <laughs> yes, I had to read. I had to read uh, Reddit. You know the entire, uh, you know the the thread on on resin rosin all the way back to the to the beginning. Took me a little while, but it's not that long. You know, it's not a long thread because <laughs> people haven't been doing it very long. So. Buying rosin presses, yeah. As yeah, far as people get for the home rosin pressing is with. Um, what they called uh hair straighteners the uh, flat well, irons you know yeah originally so with that's yeah. why this is this is a this is a good investment man especially for the yeah. home grower you know well here you go i'm gonna go ahead and press this real quick i got me Do it. puck in there Do it. all right Steve, Steve, i certainly sure. like to take a little yeah. more time yeah <laughs> but, i hey, usually let mine take whatever gets you results minutes. I know this is going to be really good for for me making good medicine too. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic because you know at lower temperature it does it's going to be pretty inactive as well. I mean, unless you heat it up, the ro the resin the rosin is not active if you just kind of eat it as it is or mix it into something. You know, right? It should exactly. be mostly THCA, I think. Unless it's like you a actually steam distillation, sort of. Man, that looks so good, yeah. Hogmaster. Yeah, yeah, my God. Hey, Hogmaster, have the video. It's a beautiful thing. See, and the it's smell. Good, good shot. The smell, I can practically smell. So how many it grams are you pressing there? A handful. <laughs> a handful, right? That's I how I do, man. I'm just that. like, fuck it, let's get some bud and press that shit. Yeah, who cares how much it is? <laughs> yeah, however much it is, it's never enough anyway. <laughs> well, you can always take the leftover pucks and just infuse those and use do do it in an oil infusion with them. Oh yeah, you make it oil on that stuff, it'll it'll oh, puck yeah. you up. There's, it'll puck you up. Oh, the rosin chips. <laughs> got a couple down there. I got a jar. I just haven't put them in there. So we'll lift that. Dude, this is the uh, this is the ultimate path to both medicine and recreational. Talk about where recreation and medicine come together. This product is undeniably, yeah, absolutely. undeniably. I mean, if you want me to elaborate on that a little bit, since I've been playing with my yes, rosin press a little bit, whenever you press out those purple buds, you get a lot of uh, anthocyanin if it's more fresh, you know, if it still has some moisture left in it, even when it's one day dry, 
you know, one day dry in your drying chamber of choice or whatever, stick that stuff on the rosin press and you're going to squeeze out a lot of liquid and it's going to take a little bit to get good at this and efficient. But when you press that out, like I said, it presses out a lot of anthocyanins. And if you really want to add to the medicinal potential of cannabis, you're going to want those anthocyanins in there because they are very antioxidant, you know. They're going to help fight those free radicals and whatnot. Totally. Yeah. Plus, one thing I've been looking forward to doing soon is making some honey that's purple, you know. Because uh, when I... I I uh, recently was messing around with the honey. That's why I asked Tommy about it, you know, maybe, what, three, four weeks ago, something like that. But um, using the rosin press, you get that that uh, that dark purple out, and it's pretty rich, you know. So I'm going to drop that in a pot of boiling honey and turn that stuff blue, and it'll just uh, enrich it even more as far as the medicinal benefits of it, you know. That's something that has to do with the genetics that you're starting with, right? Not not so much the uh, temperature or pressure that you're doing it at. Right, yeah. I've had plants that get in the cold, and the most you'll get is a purple stem or something like that, you know. But this, this uh, ninja fruit that I'm growing right now, that stuff is dark purple, man. Like, super dark purple. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I actually got lucky. My gold leaf had a little hint of purple in it and I had a few buds that I were pre I was pressing that was coming out purple. Yeah, I was I was looking at that and I wanted to try and do a little bit of that myself so I was pressing out some buds and uh I have one pheno that's uh it's we'll say about 80% green speckled with a little bit of purple and then the other pheno that's really dark purple and um with both phenos, they have purple trichomes. If you look at them with the microscope, the trichomes are purple. So nice. not all of them, not all of them, but you'll have a percentage of them. We'll say maybe 15 to 20% of the, of the trichomes have a purple lining to them. And, um, when you squish that out, it's coming out in the bud. Like if you squeeze it really flat to where it's just a really, uh, thin slab, It'll be really clear, you know, have a brownish uh, hue to it. But if you stack it up a little bit, it'll it'll uh, it'll be purple, you know, if you thicken it That's up a little amazing. bit. That's amazing. What is the color of the leaves? Are there leaves purple as well or the only the are purple as well? No, uh -huh. the leaves, the buds, everything. Well, okay, on the one that's green, that yeah. one has, uh, like I said, it's mostly green, 80% green with speckled with purple. And the leaves on that one, some of them have some purple. The stems have some purple, but the leaves are mostly green. Um, and that one's even squeezing out the purple rosin that has that purple tint to it as well. Oh, <laughs> Somebody called me out on the Facebook rosin group like, hey, this doesn't, this doesn't look like ninja fruit. I'm like, yeah, you know, it doesn't. Uh, if, you, if you go to, um, if you go to uh, Vader OG's uh, YouTube channel, they had some phenols that were not completely purple. So, I mean, there's that to be said. But then as well, I got the seeds from a buddy who grew ninja fruit and uh, gave me some of the feminized seeds from it. And that's what I've been going out. So that's all I have to go off of. But both the green pheno and the purple pheno have an almost identical terpene profile and taste. Wow. So there's that also to be said about that. Pretty stable genetics in that regard, I guess. What temperatures are you running at? Um, let's see. I, 
Man, let me go look. Because <laughs> I'm running about 68 with the light on. Yeah, it was definitely colder. And my um, 55. I, have, I basically had two different rooms that I was growing in. The pheno that was more green was growing in a warmer temperature constantly. And right now it's it's 80 back here, but it's also not cold. It's a very nice night here in Texas. So uh, it's warm. Love it. Love it. I'm, not, I'm wearing shorts and a muscle shirt. So, Dude, it was 70 today, and it's going to snow in the <laughs> next couple hours. Yeah, I know. It was like somebody was telling me, hey, it's supposed to get back down to like 40 tomorrow. I was like, what the shit, man? There you go. I'm Texas wearing long for you. right now. <laughs> so am I. But yeah, uh, I would say the average temperature over here in the uh, colder room was probably about 65 to 75. And in the front, you're probably uh, more 75 to 85 constantly. So we're talking about a 10 degree difference all the way through. Yeah. And I'm right. So that probably had a lot to do with the purple expression in the second pheno. Very cool. Yeah, yeah usually usually takes lower lower temperatures to to activate that kind of stuff. Combination yeah. of lower yeah. than that even is what I thought. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm down in the fifties. That's average. I'm in the fifties when my lights are off. Yeah, I don't. Know. Well, if if you if you go to the Ocean Grown website and look at the uh, ninja fruit, it's supposed to be a purple. It's supposed to be a purple plant. So your ninja no matter, fruit, I guess, no amazing. matter what the. Uh, yeah, the purple one, I appreciate that. The purple one looks awesome, but the green one, oh, my God, the frostiness. Oh, it's amazing. I haven't seen one I didn't like unless it had a lot of balls on it. <laughs> right. Yeah, none of mine have that, thankfully. They had it a little bit earlier whenever I stressed out the first pheno, but we got through that, and I haven't found any seeds. So I actually just chopped it down today. Pretty, no I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> I was going to say it's uh, like withholding nitrogen towards the end of flowering ensures that you're going to see all those colors underneath, you know, the fall, the fall right. foliage kind of colors. Definitely. As, you know, not only purples, but, you know, you can get you get reds and oranges and yellows and all kinds of other colors. And you you often get those on a plant that has that kind of pur purple coloration. It probably oh, ab absolutely. Like looking at this plant with the lights off, you turn on yeah. a white light, you see everything from yellow to orange to red to maroon yeah. to brown to dark yeah. purple. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's a beautiful sight to behold. And like yeah. I said, I mean, as That's far as the uh, medicinal properties of the anthocyan, I, I hold the purple plant just a little bit higher as far as that. You know, if you really want something that you want to take in as far as a supplement, that would be a little more preferred than green. What is anthocyan good for again? It, it's really uh, antioxidant, like uh, eliminates um, the free radicals in your body. Yes. All the bad stuff, you know, carcinogens and all yes. that. anti-carcinogenic general healing yeah yeah basically natural healing Jeez. and if anybody was curious what i was pressing was gold leaf how do you like that gold leaf Augmaster? it is yeah. by far one of my favorite smokes period and it's a really close one-to-one -one ratio cbd thc isn't it yeah i think they're both at about 21 percent 
Somebody's I've been anxious to try. Man. I've got some. Somebody's got to get that tested. So I'm, I'm anxious to see some testing results on that. Yeah, I'm, anx- I'm anxious to find a one-to-one ratio. I've, I've got some Harlequin and I've got some, I've got some ACDC and stuff like that right now. But um, I specifically no. want to check out some Gold Leaf. It was Robert's it is, personal strain. Yeah, Robert's personal he, strain, and he claims it to be within two or three percent difference between the THC, but it's a high THC and high CBD strain. Absolutely, is it for my medication? And, and it's a vigorous grower. It grows like it grows like it's just it's just crazy. It grows vigorous and fat. And, yeah. That's cool. We hear more and more lately of the entourage effect, and and I'd like to find a strain that my dad actually had a he broke his neck at work and had some surgery on his neck and stayed worse than way stayed worse off than he was before he had the surgery. Now he's constant pain. So I we're actually looking for a for a you know really good pain pain strain. So that that gold leaf is something we'll want to check out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my run of that this uh hopefully in the next couple of months I'll get my seeds started. Probably yeah. use uh Roger's nutrients with that as well. Roger uh from True Aquaponics to clarify. And I think we yeah, actually have a deal on our definitely case, but... definitely have got to do a a journal from that on that one. Well, using Roger's what I'm planning what nutrients. I'm planning on doing is because in my main system I have the three different grow beds with that one ended up being uh the recirculating deep water culture system accidentally and is doing amazing. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw yeah, the pictures man. Man, on, God, on you I love growing marijuana. So dense. That thing looks stacked. Yeah, stacked yeah it is, like, man. Like I oh my God. It's probably the best plant I've grown and it was accidental. <laughs> be some, you know just big old chunky pineapple yep. grenades. <laughs> Yeah, that thing looks awesome. That's by far one of the prettiest mistakes I've ever seen. Yeah, no shit. Right? I wish my mistakes turned out like that. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mistakes well, seemed to go the other ride, man. I wanted to see what happened, and it ended up being a success. So I was like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna live your whole life like that, young lady." Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to you twist know, my arm to give me a good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> I've actually but been yeah. hunting too lately. I've decided that I wanted to try to find some, some of those old, old school skunky strains. You remember those strains that you got close to them? It smelled like a burning tire. Like it was that skunky, like the hog. Remember the hog and, and shit like that. I'd like to find some, some really those old school eighties and nineties skunky, skunky, skunky pungent foul strains. And I can promise anybody who meets me, I do not smell anything like that. Don't let them. <laughs> really, the strongest the skunk strains were, were really in the 70s. And then they started, they were weakening. And then you could still smell it in the 80s. And there were still a little The genetics started getting watered down. Yeah. yeah way- they started breeding away from that smell because that smell automatically said, oh, somebody's growing weed. Yeah. So the, it, the yeah, it really and it also went along with it was very harshness. Very, you know, it was hash weed. It was uh, yeah. a lot of those plants you couldn't you you take a hit and you couldn't even hold it 
single hit <laughs> and just make you cough your balls off. You know what I mean? It was absolutely unacceptable for smoking. But Needed you had, when you were done coughing, you had the biggest shit-eating grin on your face. Yeah, extremely. Yeah, and they didn't you have don't need anything that for you. You're, you're dizzy. Yeah, yeah it's we, amazing that people <laughs> think that, oh, cannabis is so much stronger now. Well, I think on average it is kind of, but there were, I think the very, very strong indica plants, I, you know, and I'm only going on memory. I don't think it's fair unless you sit there and you smoke them next, next to each other. But I still, I still hold by the strongest, heaviest indica plants I saw were around 1977, 1978, maybe, I don't know. What's strange? Well, I, I yeah, remember I mean, smoking I mean, red bud at lunchtime and being stoned until you got off at four o'clock, you know. Um, so, I mean, how good is that? I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's that's how I, I kind of look at it when Mr. Green just says, well, you kind of remember it. Well, if you Go out and smoke a joint at lunchtime and you're stoned three and a half hours later. But we weren't you know. saturated back then like we are now. Yes. Well, that's true. You didn't have tolerance levels off we the chart. Young pups. You know, we still had all those happy cells before we drenched them in <laughs> with THC. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I have a, also a theory that you don't really build up tolerance very much if you keep on switching. If you're, you know, if yeah. you're, a connoisseur, you're a connoisseur and you got. 10 different jars it's it's pretty hard to build up a tolerance you don't you know you really actually start getting more sensitive you know maybe <laughs> i don't know don't well you mr think? green jeans i'm about to have like a half pound of all the same tasting weed what do i do about that man <laughs> press it press it increase the level Store of dabs it. every day <laughs> You make you make trades with buddies for different strains. Yeah, you know, I was already thinking about that, man. I was like, I'm gonna have to Good idea. It's better than it's better than playing those magic cards and stuff. Right. Everyone needs the medicine. <laughs> Only That's some right. there's, there's a limited there's a limited recreational market, but everyone needs medicine, man. And yeah. the pressed the pressed uh, stuff is totally the I, I think it's at least one of the really good ways to to get an extraction. I mean, I think a really good, good ethanol extraction is, is good. I think the oil infusion uh, after decarboxylating is good, but the pressing is fantastic because it really, it really keeps uh, a lot of the uh, genetic, you know, shows a lot of things where I think it's also a convergent, uh, almost a converging science in the sense that it's showing things that, we kind of thought about before, you know, we kind of were already thinking about not only in the things like the moisture content of the bud, but like the quality of the resin, whether the resin is sticky or oily or whatever. And the, it comes out differently, you know, it makes it, it comes out as a different product. And so temperatures really that too. Yeah. yeah I think I, separate, separating out stuff like you're going to make ash and then making the resin out of the uh, ash, that's pretty badass right there. And that's yeah, another definitely. nice thing about it. That's you, what you I want to do. Make the as far as having a rosin press, though, it's just too tempting to skip that altogether. 
And I have some hash bags, man. And I've really, I was like, man, I'm fixing to have a big harvest. Do I want to make some hash and then try and press that out and go through all that? Or do I want to just press all that shit in the rosin press and then eat it all later? <laughs> as far oh, as man. the rosin chips go. <laughs> I, I got That's excited true. about running the some, oil some rosin bags yeah. from a press. I was watching, what's his name the other day? Pedro from Pedro's or the whatever show, I guess it is. Pedro's Grow Room. And he did a whole bunch of presses on on bags of rosin, and it was amazing. I I I want to get me a press now. <laughs> I really want to get me a press. I've got tons of keef just piling up. Well, for the money, it's the kind of thing. It's like the oil. It's like it's it's like Tommy's oil. It's the kind of thing that when people smell it or taste it, they immediately love it even people who are not you know necessarily uh, cannabis people it's the kind of thing that the rosin every anyone who smells that is like oh boy that's the, ooh, what do you ultimate, what do you do with that you know oh you're, yeah you're, the, flavors, the flavors are amazing yeah i was explaining yeah. i was explaining it to i was uh, coincidentally <laughs> i was having a conversation about this with my mother who has been adamantly about against cannabis pretty much all her life you know I was like, you know, who else do I have to talk to about this stuff right now? You know, like I, I have I have my dad who, you know, who needs it medicinally and I can explain what's going on to my mom. You know, it's like I feel like I got to get some of this stuff off my chest. Otherwise, I'm just posting to forums and talking to people online all day, you know, so at least I have somebody there to at least uh vent all this stuff too and i was explaining to her how this strain smelt and the colors and all that stuff and she was just seeming intrigued you know i was just like yeah i'm gonna have to bring some over here you know in a few days and i'll show y'all you know but you know just just to the point I you were making you know exactly <laughs> over the age of 60 it should be doing you know should be taking uh, you know and they don't have to be oh taking enough to get high they can only be they could be just taking uh micro doses you know a small regular well, like, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm a i'm a really strong proponent of the medicinal side of cannabis so like whenever i make things for people that are medicinal i'm using the leaves and again i've talked about using the leaves so many times on this podcast and i, I just can't uh I can't encourage the rest of you guys who grow enough to do that, you know, to just kind of push the medicinal side of things. Cause when whole you use the leaves medicine. and you use the whole leaves plant. in your extractions, only the leaves, not even whole plant guys, just the leaves when you're in veg, you know, not even the sugar leaves, just the veg leaves. Extract we like to those cook with those ethanol. And put them in salads and things. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're getting that, you know, as fresh as can be, you know, but as, um, as far as the medicinal side of things goes, you have a prime pain reliever right there. Like you extract that with ethanol, mix it up with coconut oil, and that stuff does amazing for pain. You know, and I'm, I, I don't know, I don't see how anybody hasn't gotten this research done as far as testing vegetative leaves for the oils that they contain. You know, I'm ninety percent sure it's mostly CBD because it will not get you high. If you dab this stuff, you know, it will not get you high. It'll give you the munchies from hell, though. I'll tell you that much. But um, it will not get you high. The what now? I do that same thing. I, I've been saving my leaves for years and years. That, that's I make medicine out of it all the time. You're exactly right. If you're doing it purely to, uh, topically, 
you're going to spray it on. Uh, I found doing an isopropyl instead of an ethanol extract. Uh, I just let it sit there for a long time. Then I mix uh, witch hazel with it. I extract the active ingredient out of a couple of aspirins and just a spot of camphor or something like that in a spray. Man, it'll make your head spin. And it's so freaking easy. And it's exactly what he's saying is those leaves. Don't throw those leaves out. There's good medicine there. Yeah, yeah. And as far That's as putting all the other stuff in there, I've never done it's anything totally. like that. But, like, I've heard plenty from people. And I've made capsules out of it. You know, like, it, when you concentrate it down with the, with the ethanol and then uh, um, use that oil to add to your final product whatever you plan on making whether it's a topical oil or uh capsules i've done capsules with that and they work as well um this is all anecdotal of course and you know i encourage you to see it for yourself you know find people that need it medicinally any like it works like uh, like Absolutely. tommy said anybody over 60 they need this stuff they need it almost yeah. almost guaranteed if you're that if you're well, uh that old you know 60. you probably have some aches and pains in your life you know and even if it's just a topical application of it it works but i've i've Absolutely. heard some phenomenal stories that i i really don't even want to say because it's almost over the top of people just having crazy recovery times from just uh, their prescribed stuff that's not helping, you know, having work accidents and then they take CBD for maybe one or two days and then they're back up on their feet like it never happened, you yeah. know, and a whole bunch of professional athletes and, you know, UFC fighters and things like that. They admit to, to using CBD as a before and after exercise regimen. And they say it yeah, helps and, them. and thankfully helps them you have to, a lot more, especially NFL players coming out of the closet yeah. and, and uh, it's a bronchial dilator cannabis. too. Yeah. So use it before you exercise, open up your airways and help get more oxygen into your body while you're exercising. Wow, yeah. that's excellent information. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a bronchial <laughs> dilator. So but even salves, salves. I, I know my wife. My wife actually takes all of our plant trimmings and like you, the leftover plant trimmings. How much just the leaves you can get, you know. Yeah. Well, the salves, we make salves and rubs and we, hey, we give it to family members and friends. They use it on psoriasis. It, it's, it's taking away psoriasis spots from our, our family and friends. And my wife, I've uses, had, I've had say people say the exact same thing and, to me, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's you just vitamin E oil, some witch hazel, just the CBD you know, lavender, oil. Just the CBD. and beeswax. Not even and, full and plant. You make some yeah. sap. Well, we use we use raw plant, and we also use the plant the leftover material that we do from infusions and things like that. So we mix raw and the decarb infused leftovers all together, and and like I say, mix them with beeswax and vitamin E oil and some other stuff, and make a rub out of it. And so, it's so you're amazing. After you great. do the oil infusion, <clears throat> then you go ahead and take the matter at the end of the whole process. Mm -hmm. And yep. put that into something so, else. That's cool. Yeah. So since we we're on the that, subject, we you mix know, it with raw since, stuff. Since we were talking about the rosin press just a while ago, uh, you know, I've talked about this a little bit ago, probably a couple weeks ago, how I was pressing the leaves out with the rosin press, and how you still have to let that concentrate dry out for a little while, and then you can still collect it up as rosin. Now, whenever you press it all together. 
it will all be completely water soluble. And uh, when you let it dry, if you collect it all together and press it into a slab, like I like to do my stuff, like when it dries up, it becomes like paper, but crumbly. Uh, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but that stuff will dissolve on your tongue and you can feel the, the, the effects of that medicinally absolutely immediately, you know? Right. And that's full of the CBDs and CBGs and all that stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was saying, you know, I can't believe that somebody hasn't actually taken an amount of whatever you need to get tested from vegetative leaf material, vegetative, I repeat, to get that tested and see what it has, you know, because there's something there to it. And that's why you have people that tout the benefits of juicing raw cannabis. It goes hand in hand. Juice the raw cannabis, and then you let that dry out, or you put it in the dehydrator. You can also pop that powder in there like you're talking. Exactly. Powderize. I love powderizing stuff. Yeah. You know, I powderize stuff and feed it to my plants. I've been planning on powderizing some uh, sugar leaf and making capsules out of it. Maybe decarb it first. I don't know. You know, play with it a little bit. You know yeah, what I did? Working with the benefits of being a grower and having excess material at, at your disposal. So I actually Allegedly. took some of my my my, my seventy three run micron run dry sift and I decarbed it inside a jar. You know, like the like you guys showed inside the mason jar to save all of the smells and everything like that. And the I took and threw it in a salt shaker. And now I just sprinkle my decarbed keef all over Yo, my food. You know like what? I'm salt. not gonna lie. I was trying to <laughs> I'm do seasoning the, same. the shit out of all my food. <laughs> I was trying to do the same thing uh, for my dad, but he didn't like the just strong taste of the cannabis. It wasn't. I wasn't yeah. doing it with dry sift, but I was. I was uh, getting some of the sugar leaf from the CBD plant I was growing about a year ago, I guess, and. Um, decarboxylating it and throwing it in a little seasoning container and you know seeing a few of these that way which he did not at all no a lot of people don't well like seen... the taste of cannabis yeah, straight up I like love that the taste pretty hardcore and i would yeah i don't <clears> mind bottle it. the fragrance and make a cologne out of it if i could <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the the key fan i just i just sprinkle it over like salt and i'm <laughs> putting my key on everything Right on, man. Yeti. Okay. Hey, guys. Uh, looks like we're going to kind of end the show here. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody for coming. Uh, we had some awesome guests and stuff going on tonight. Um you can check in the description link down below and uh, kind of go out. Hey, Rainbow, you want to tell everybody how to get a hold of you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Check me out on Instagram, B-R-A-Y-N-E underscore G-R-O. You can check out my mycology project as well and everything else that I'm working on. I post everything on Instagram. Um, I love growing marijuana.com. Make sure you go and make yourself an account there so you can follow along with what I'm doing. If you're interested in seeing aquaponics and aquaponic cannabis in a little more detail, because I'm pretty much posting there every, you know, two, three days. So that's pretty much all I got guys. And thanks for that too. Thanks a lot. Absolutely.
Oddmaster, you want to give a shout out? A little uh, shameless self promotion there. Yeah, you can find me at I Love Growing Marijuana.com. We're there to help you. And I also want to bring up tomorrow is somebody special's birthday. I'd like to say happy birthday to Roger a little bit early. Oh. Hey, there you go. We need to plaster it all over the forums tomorrow. Right. Actually, it's, oh. it's Saturday. It's Saturday. Well, is it? It was Friday now, isn't it? No. Yeah. My birthday's Saturday. Indica, you want to give a sign off there? Thank you. Yeah, I, I really don't have any social handles or anything like that, though. I'm kind of kind of old school. I, all I do is join up on here and and get info, man. I'm just uh, fly on the wall. <laughs> learning as much as I can from all you guys. I mean, nice. You're bringing good stuff today, too. We appreciate what you're bringing. Yeah, you know, Steve was, was I was going to actually ask, I emailed Steve, I've got a question about my, I've got to replace my under the sink RO unit, right? And I've got one of those little three gallon storage tanks. Uh -huh. And today I saw a unit that has ultraviolet. It is an RODI system, but it also remineralizes the water after the RO system has stripped everything out and it puts back calcium, magnesium, uh, potassium, I think it is, and, and a couple of other things in there that are supposed to be good for you. And it pH balances the water. And I was asking Steve, I sent him a link to it and I was going to ask him what he thought about it <clears throat> as a way to filter tap water and you know, put in water that's remineralized into the fish tank and whether or not that remineralized water, all those minerals would actually be available to the plants. They're supposed to be available to absorption by, you know, your body, by mm -hmm. human people, you know, human people by people. So I don't know. I found it on Amazon. Oh, well, we'll uh, try to follow up on that. Yeah, 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 I'll send them an email, but that, I might be looking into something like that with a 20-gallon storage tank. Head up it does country. The, the purpose of making your water pure, though, so you can start from scratch and then know exactly what's in it. That's yeah, it. well, that's... So Steve's starting us up an after show tonight or no? I don't think so. I, I, I'm going to have to go check what's going on here. I'm just trying to wrap up. I guess something's going on here. It sounds, like Steve, sounds like Steve's having a problem over there for some reason. And yeah. You know, and we had a we had a good show and all this. Yeah. I just want to break the feed tonight, but yeah, I'm kind of Bob. It was nice talking with everybody. You know, yeah. um, hey, Mister Green, Mr. Green, you want to tell us how to get a hold of you? Oh yeah, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, uh, uh, GreenJeansGarden.com. Uh, uh, yeah, man, it was great talking to you guys. It's really fun to be on. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, made lots of seeds this week. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I just want right. to say, too, you guys, when we go off air, anybody that wants to still chat. The, 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 yeah, man, I still have a lot have more talking to do. To chat. <laughs> yeah, it won't be. I'm down. I can show off my little cheesy garden to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, when we go off air, you can share stuff that you wouldn't share on air, you know. Allegedly. Well. Allegedly. Well, Allegedly. everybody take care.
Allegedly. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you if they ever want to go to I Love Growing Marijuana and find a really helpful place to be. They already know that. Everybody knows it's funny how, you know, everybody, um, we've got several panelists that are affiliated now and they're doing a great job helping us out and it's spreading the knowledge out like we're trying to do here on the show every week and cheat everybody that, you know, that shares and, 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 and does it in an appropriate and friendly manner. I tell you what, it makes no mean people, it makes no mean people and I love growing marijuana. That is a great forum too. Thank you very much. I mean, the the ownership has been so great to allow us to uh, to grow in our own way and not limit it to just their original vision. And uh, and I think that's, you know, and and allowed, you know, just us to I, we really, really have a great forum. Uh, oh, by the way, last month we had over one million page views for the month. We, we nice. cracked the one million on for all you guys helping out brain grow and hog master and all you guys to, you know just being absolutely on the i also want to mention before we go up there that i'll be having a new video up in the next couple of days on my youtube channel so. cool so thank you everybody i mean yeah, and uh yeah i want to thank everybody for stopping in the photonic uh podcast here uh, you can check the uh, YouTube channel, Photonics. Uh, you can find links down below. There's Facebook groups. There's a lot of people here you've heard from. If you're out there, you want a little help, kind of, you know, seeing which directions to go, uh, you found your way to the right place. Uh, hey, thanks, everybody, for stopping by. Also, uh, special shout-out to our live viewers, as usual. Yeah. Thank y'all guys for holding it down with the live podcast. Y'all are the real ones. Definitely. Cool. So uh, we'll catch you again next week, bring some exciting guests. And at this point, we're going to end the live broadcast. Thanks, everybody. Be safe uh, and enjoy your herb responsibly and share it with somebody that you love. Have a good night, everybody. Amen. As often as possible. Good night.